We are on a mission, a mission to save and revitalize independent pharmacy. On the Catalyst Podcast, we dive into current events that are shaping how pharmacists approach their patients and their businesses. Fuel your passion for pharmacy one conversation at a time. Three, two, one, zero. Ignition. So today, one of the things I thought we would talk about is the workplace because something's going on current with us as we try to to figure out what COVID means and and people start coming back to work and and all this kind of thing. And are we doing temperature checks and are we going to do, um, you know, what kind of examinations are we going to do? Are we going to quiz people when they come to work? All these kind of things. So, you know, one thing we just want to kind of explore is, is, you know, pharmacy and other businesses, what's going to be different as people come back to work? Sure. Like part of that too is where, like I had an interaction with my dentist and probably in a lot of medical professions, probably where there's a waiting room, right? You're probably not letting sick people come in and wait. You just, you're, or you're trying to avoid it as much as you can. Yeah. I waited in my car. I texted back and forth with the receptionist lady or the dental hygienist that was cleaning my teeth, but um, that was that was one aspect that's definitely changed. Like, and I didn't want to be in there waiting, right? That there's a lot of people that probably feel that way. Um, you don't want if you're sick, you probably don't want to make other people sick and wait in the same lobbies as everybody else. So I, that's one piece that's going to change for sure. At least short term, yes. Maybe long term too. I mean, I almost hope it changes long term. You know, like when you think about, we used to go to the doctor. Um, my, my pediatrician has like the setup and that the middle is for the healthy people. And then the outer right, periphery yep. is for mm-hmm. like the sick kids. I mean, it's three feet apart. Yeah. My kid's going to get sick in there for their, you know, two week checkup. So now when we go, you sit in the parking lot, you text them, I'm here. They come out, they take your temperature and then you can go in. It just feels like that's what you would expect from a hospital. Yeah. That, one of the things I think about though, you really think that's going to last? You know, I, I look at, you know, early on, I, I go to Kroger's, everybody's in a mask, you know, maybe Home Depot has a little less, but really seeing now, I'm already seeing less mask. And I don't know if that's because it's a different group of people that are out there or just people are starting to become complacent. You know, one of the lines that I always love is, um, you know, from Shakespeare, right? The evil that men do is, the good that men do lives after them. The evil is often teared with their bones. You know, something about the human experience is we're quickly to forget about the bad and only focus on the good things. You know, you you take people who are in areas where there's bombings every day and they just go about their lives because they realize, hey, yeah, I could die, but I can't live under this constant fear of dying. And I adapt and I stop caring. Yeah, I, mean, I think there's certainly some risk to that. I've I've seen the same thing at you know Home Depot or Kroger or something like that. But I think there's certain precautions about letting sick people into places where there are other potentially sick people, like pharmacies, doctors' office, dentists. That makes sense to keep that going. It's almost like yeah, I know we get complacent about washing our hands, but after you do it for a while, it becomes a habit, and you wash your hands same way you brush your teeth in the morning at night. So hopefully some of those things live on. I, I think you're probably right. The mask piece will start to get, mm. people will stop doing it because it's a hassle or they forget it. And once you forget it one time, then the next time, 
well, I already went out without my mask. It's not that big a deal. But hopefully some of those bigger hygiene changes take place and are permanent. Yeah. And I think some of it, it's like, is the experience better or not? Right. There's, I would sometimes just rather wait in my car than hang out in your lobby with your magazines <laughs> and your terrible Wi-Fi. So got strong LTE in the car. <laughs> and, so if you could get texted or something yeah, like that. Yeah, and if you could get texted and some of that. But but you're, I think you're right about the other stuff. I mean, just, you know, um, when you're constantly hit with that thing that's either mask or, or other stuff like that, you're going to get numb to it to a degree or numb to some of the fear of, of what's going on. You, like even when like I was in Iraq at one point in my military days, we got mortared every other day. You just still... <laughs> you just do your job, right? You just still go out there and you get numb to it until you get something close to home, right? It's, it's everything. Yeah, you, you look at, you know, one thing I think about is pharmacies. You know, a lot of pharmacies switch to curbside. Hey, are you sick? Don't come in if you're sick. Half the people coming into pharmacies every day are sick before this, right? And if you're immune compromised, somebody with a flu or or with strep could be deadly to you. You know, does it change? Do we... Do we continue that? Do we, those at pharmacies, we go, hey, this is a really good idea. I ought to have a shield. I ought to to separate, have places on the floor that show six foot distance. I ought to ask you to use the drive through a curbside if you're sick. Or do I just go back to how it was? Yeah, some of it's capabilities, right? Like, what do, you know, do I have the technology to do it? Do I have the infrastructure to do it? Do I have the materials or expertise to do it? You know, I think those that are capable and, and have the tools are, are definitely going to implement some, I think some form of this lasting Longer. I think it's just got to be easy. Yeah. If it's not, it's just like masks, hand washing. If it's not easy, people won't do it. Um, but I mean, the six foot standing, I hope it sticks. Uh, there's nothing I hate more than standing in line and like that one person just right up right behind you. It's just the worst. Like you don't even have to be sick to be uncomfortable by that. So how does, you know, you take it from a business point of view, you know, we have employees, um, we're trying to do temperature checks. You know, what changes you used to have a, you know, if you came to sit to work, blowing your nose, I'm, I don't feel good, but I'm here and I'm working. You got a gold star, you know, um, I don't think, does it seem like that's going to be the case going forward or are employers going to give more sick days to encourage people to be home? Or they're going to be, Hey, if you prove you're sick, unlimited days, what's going to change in the employer employee relationship? I mean, I think for sure, even I, I'm super guilty of it. Historically, if I felt bad, but not super bad, I would still come to work, you know, cold, just go in my office, close the door and work through it. You know, now you're starting to think about that was a terrible idea. You know, I put everybody I work with at risk. So you have to reevaluate that part. Um, I'd like to see a, a world where you have people saying, if you're sick, don't come to work. And that may mean, you know, flexibility about working hours, you know, flex time here and there. Um, Increasing PTO, maybe, but that it's it's such a slippery slope when you get unlimited PTO. You know, I, I came from a place that had unlimited PTO, but it really wasn't unlimited, right? It was unlimited insofar as nobody asked you questions about what you were doing, and there was a clear line of don't cross this. So, I mean, I mean do you get to like elementary school where you require a sick note from the doctor? There's just a lot of unknowns that we haven't come to yet. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, just be reasonable. 
right? If you're gonna if you're gonna go that route, and you got to bank on everybody being reasonable. If you're if you're going the whole unlimited PTO route, but for sure, like we've been ingrained with at least I was as a kid and watching my parents go to work sick and and everybody did right. It was a goal, like you said, it's a gold star, it's a badge of honor. I worked through this, you know, I'm throwing up in the trash can or whatever it is, right? Those days are over for sure. Those days are gone. You know, if you're even remotely like sniffling at the moment, the very present day, you're you're out and you're sensible to be out. Um, so. so do the temperature checks continue? Do the health checks, even after COVID, we, everybody gets a, a vaccine. Do we still say, hey, we, we're going to be a safe workplace and, and we're going to. I would like to think so. I, I, hopefully it, it comes. Generally, if you have a fever, you know you have a fever, right? That's your body's surefire way of saying something's not right. Um, so hopefully we ingrain in people that if they have a fever, they stay home. Now, they're still going to have people that don't pay attention to that. And being able to use technology to say, hey, you have a fever, you you can't come in here. If it Again, if it's easy, um, we've explored some options about you know scanning temperatures that are really easy. Why wouldn't you do that all the time? Um, as long as you're not invading reasonable expectations of, hey, I know you're sick and I can see your you know, colostomy bag through this camera, that gets a little weird. But if you're just checking temperature, I think it continues. I, I can see it continue, especially where you have a workforce in like a dense, like close proximity, I guess is what I'm trying to say. You know, like a like a like a warehouse where you guys are pumping out packages or, or like the meat factories that are being hit by COVID really bad. I mean, or elevators. I mean, in the also city, true, yeah. have an elevator. Yeah, also true. Where you're like being in close proximity a lot and it's hard to, uh, you know, necessarily negate all the risk. I, I, I could see those kind of being there to stay for sure. Assembly lines, things like that, where, you know, you, it's easy to pass and, and you, sh you know, you start shutting things down and you start losing multiple people. They had a representative in, in one state um, going into the public courthouse, refused to take her temperature, you know. It's a violation of my privacy. What do you do with people like that? I think it's employers. Like, it, well, I, I don't know what a courthouse could do. Honestly, I, I really don't. Well, but it's a representative. As, you can't do anything about right, that. There's nothing you can do there. Be, but, but in general, what do you do about people? Yeah, yeah. And an employer's perspective, you know, that, you, know you got to decide what you what you do. And, and some of that's, if you're not willing to do this, it's just kind of the stance the employer has at that point. If you're just talking about employers, which I am, um, it's just, if you're going to take the stance to go, then you can't come in. Then that's what it is. And I'm I mean, okay with public shaming. <laughs> right? Yeah. Interesting. Um, we had an employee who went to the hospital and um, actually it was a medical park. So part of the hospital and right in the front door, they took her temperature and passing, they gave her a red, um, like a little bracelet, like you get going to amusement park or something okay. like that. So, um, and so that walking around was proof that she had passed a temperature check. Oh, okay, gotcha. Now, whether or not they let people in that didn't, you know, I didn't go into that, but, you know, maybe you have a screening and if you have a, a bracelet, you know, if you don't have a bracelet on, people stay away from you. So these are all kinds of things as a, as a society that we're going to try to figure out, you know, what's okay, what's not okay. Um, you know, you saw the video of uh, the guy at Costco who was trying to make a video of his followers making a big deal. In fact, that he wasn't wearing a mask and the Costco guy was saying, sir, you got to leave, you know, and, and he was like, I woke up in a free country. Um, you know, I don't have to wear a mask. Well, the mask isn't for you. It's for the other person. You know, you didn't wake up in a country where your actions can harm others. 
And um, what do we do? Is that is that something you legislate or is that going to be legislated? How, how do you separate those who are willing to care about other people from those who don't? I mean, we've been we've had that problem for years with vaccinations. You know, anti-vaccination people are still going to schools and generally with herd immunity, that's if one or two people isn't vaccinated, that's fine. Those people were meant to be the ones with immune system problems with other medical reasons they couldn't be immunized, but we still haven't had a good solution. I'd love to see a place where if you weren't immunized, you can't go to public schools. It's it's part of, if you can't be, that's fine. If you don't want to be, saying you don't want to be part of a society that values other people, it's the same thing with you know the mask. It was that guy saying that my life is more important than yours. I don't know how you legislate that, but again, that seems like a pretty solid argument for public shaming. Which I think actually happened. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, sure. yeah, yeah, no, yeah, pretty good. He was yeah. without a doubt. He posted the video thinking that people were going to think he was some kind of hero, and he ended yeah. up looking really, yeah, really he got foolish. Killed, <laughs> I think we have people in our building who you know are you know we're not going to wear a mask. You know, we you know want to wear a mask. We're not going to get our temperature checked. You know, it's a privacy invasion, and 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 really more are are trying to go on some distorted form of, form of on principle rather than the realities of okay, this really affects my privacy or right. Well, and even in this weird world with some of the news with some of the people being very I guess militant about not wearing a mask. I was talking to my team, and I was you know we were talking about you know, masking and getting two people in the elevators and making sure that if somebody got on the elevator that didn't have a mask that you got off. Um, but I, you know, in a way that you didn't think you should have to, I told them, don't tell that person you need to wear a mask because we don't want you to be in a, a position where that other person assaults you or does anything crazy. And it just seems nuts that that's even an option. Right. But you know, the other thing, a lot of people are passive. I think it's an opportunity though to you got to be bold. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, you told the story the other day you were on the elevator, just one of a two and somebody tried to get on without a mask and you said, "Hey, the elevator's full." Right. right? And the person didn't get on. You know, most people with a light cultural push won't proceed with a conversation with a con, with a confrontation. So I I think we should train our our the people to, you know, and our employees to to, to push a little bit, don't just be a sheep, but know when to back off and, you know, and, and then if they won't back off, then get off. You know, they say, no, I'm not just, we'll get off the elevator, you know, and there'll, and there'll be a lot of that stuff that we have to learn. You know, uh, speaking of vaccinations, one of the things I saw the other day, they did a poll of who said they would get the COVID vaccination. It has like half. Why? Why is it half? No idea. It makes huh. no sense. I, I didn't see that poll. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Half. Half. So, okay. okay. So let's think about it. Vaccines out day one. Are you getting it? Yeah. Why I'm might you not? Are you not worried that maybe they didn't spend enough time testing it? Wouldn't you rather somebody else get it and blow up before? Like maybe have an adverse turn into the wolf man before like you? Or? <laughs> I mean, it's fair. Like we even saw some of the early tests for coronavirus come out with the antibody tests that were a little bit wonky. You know, they had high false positive or high false negative rates. Um, generally speaking, you know. I have, maybe this is naive, but I have enough confidence that if they made it through a human trials, that at minimum, that vaccine would just be ineffective. I don't think they would put any, it wouldn't show up with the way they do, they do those protocols that anything really deadly would make it that far. So 
my view is at worst, it's ineffective at best. Now I can go about my normal daily life in the world and the benefits outweigh the risk in that part. Because I'm always like, I don't want to buy the first year of a new car. Yeah, right. A lot of people are that way. Let somebody else yeah. test the model first. So, you know, you're going to have it. And I think that's showing. I mean, obviously, 50% of those aren't anti-vaxxers, right? There's got to be some other, hey, I'm a little worried. They they sped this up. They did this too quick. Um, yeah, let me hang out and see. Right? Yeah, that kind yeah, of thing. Let me, let me kind of I think that number and, would go up and up as just time goes by with it available. I mean, maybe. Um, if, look I, at the seasonal flu vaccine rates. They're I, I haven't looked at the last couple of years, but they're historically that's true substantially lower than they should be, even in people that know that they're at high risk. You know, like older people, people with immune systems, they still don't get vaccinated vaccinated the way they should. What are those? Are those fifty percent? Do you know what those numbers um, are? I think when I looked a couple of years ago, it was about sixty sixty five percent, and that's with you know years of safe and effective. Yeah. So not way off of 50%. Yeah, it's not crazy. And I don't know that 50% gets you someplace unless you figure out how to, you know, how to coerce people to get it. You know, what might be some of the ways you could do that? I honestly have no idea. Make it free, make it easy to get, make it, you know, push the education around it, push the data around, you know, I, you know, some people are always just going to say, no, I'm not doing it. Right. There's definitely that. I, I think the, I think you're right on the free part. Um, and I think pharmacies done a really good job of making vaccines more available than they have been historically. Yeah. Um, you know, you put it in every pharmacy and I think you can get those rates up as high as you could. It's not going to be a hundred percent, but yeah, I bet you could beat 50% if you can prove that that vaccine actually does work. Right. You're vaccinated. You get to eat here. You're not vaccinated. You don't get there's, to eat there's here. A, there's an element of that. I would, maybe. I would love that. I mean, you can. I mean, it gets in a weird privacy part, right? Do you have to show your vaccine card to come into a store? There are countries that were talking to that about that with immunity. You know, you test people for immunity, and if you pass, you get a you get a green yeah light on your phone. If you don't pass, you get a red light on right, your phone. Right? They were calling it an immunization or a immunity passport. Yeah. But I mean, if you think about it, so when I went to pharmacy school, I could not start my rotations until I either had a chickenpox vaccine vaccine or proved that I was immune. It, what's I mean, not very different there. It, it's interesting that we as a society have gone from, in, in my opinion, everybody's on their own, right? Manifest destiny. You get it. No insurance. You get it. You do it. You know, you make it to a you know, the the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the the one, right? The sacrifice, World War One, World War Two, these kind of things. Through this kind of modern times when the need of the one outweighs the needs of the many, right? If one person feels a certain way, we don't want to hurt their feelings or we don't want them to feel bad or we want to make sure they're empowered, you know, irrespective of of who else that might threaten and, and things like that. Is that reversible? I think it's reversible and in in a in a lot of ways that's true and in some ways it's not. You know, like you see the the current generations, like the millennials and the I can't even remember what the ones like just younger after than that, that yeah. one. Yeah, I don't know either. They give a lot of money, they donate a lot of time to charity. So there's like the sense of community and social need. Um, but you're right, there's some part of like, well, I didn't I didn't like how that felt. Okay, that's fine. Sometimes Things don't always feel great. And sometimes you have to, you know, be less comfortable so that your neighbor can be alive. 
And so I think some of that's how do you translate to, you know, all of the generations and whatever their values are to be like, you know, in this case, you're going to have to give up some things for the value of everybody else. And I don't think a lot of people would not want to do that. Most people generally don't hate their neighbors and want to hurt them. So if you can spin it in a way or at least communicate it in a way that, hey, this is for the good of your grandma, your neighbor, your friends, and maybe they'll return the favor to you. You think most people know their neighbors? I think more now. I know all of my neighbors within like four or five houses because of this. Yeah. You know, like we're all out walking at night, you know, socially distant. But we're all out, you know, in the neighborhood, you know, take the dogs to the field, take the kid to the whatever. You know, I met all of my neighbors in the last three months. Well, I knew a couple, but I met all of my neighbors in the last three months. And that was kind of a force because we're not so busy. Yeah, it's right? true. Super true. Yeah, we did too. We've, we've, you know, we've met more people, seen more people out. And even people from like down some other neighborhood that's not too directly next to you, right? Like just all sorts of. Of, of interactions that way. Sure. I, I agree with you there. If you're a pharmacy today, what would you do? What, where, where's your mind? What are you, you know, what are you focusing on? What's different in this kind of COVID recovery stage? What's it, what are my strategies? I mean, not to sound like a broken record, but you know, I think drive-through curbside and deliveries stay like they're a mainstay of what you expect from a pharmacy now um i think you're gonna see you know maybe not plexiglass stay but i think you're gonna see people asking to make sure hey if you're sick wear a mask if you're coughing have any kind of sputum or discharge cover it up you know like be careful about where you're at and man i hope the six foot space stays yeah i could see I would probably be focused on similar to what Josh said, but probably the infrastructure around doing that, right? Like the technology tools, not to be a tech sales guy, but the technology tools, systems, processes, whatever, to push your pharmacy outside of the four walls that you have today. And some of the people do a really good job with what they already have, but I would definitely be looking at how do I sustain this in a way that's still profitable, right? I'm still trying to capture the margin I want to capture um, and and just evaluate and take a hard look at my systems and processes to can I do that? Can I can I can I still get OTC sales if they're not coming in the store? How do I push that? Right, and that's that's where I'd be like thinking about the next six months for me from like a strategy perspective uh, is where I'd look for sure. Yeah, I, you know, and you think about that. You think about I'm training them for you know in a most simplest world delivery. How's it different from mail? Drive through. What's the connection there? You know, if I do that wrong, I'm just training them for Amazon or, yeah. or, or some other type of delivery service that totally removes some of my benefits of being a, an owner who's also a pharmacist working in the pharmacy who cares about, about you. So how do, I, how do I not train them for an Amazon world? How do I make delivery and drive-through and curbside and, you know, and, and mask, how do I still make that personal and keep that connection? Sure. Yeah. No, that's, that's a, that's a formula everyone's going to have to. Right. 
Well, I mean, I, I think that part is all, how do I get drugs to a person, right? And I think if you, the real value of those independent pharmacies is the pharmacists in the community, they know those people. Um, we've seen an area where now like CMS has re relaxed some of the regulations where pharmacists are rapidly becoming providers. They're potentially going to be able to fill in a lot of primary care gaps that we've noted. So if the pharmacies can get all of the logistical pieces and the technology around curbside and delivery, they can add other services, you know, community health fairs, they can add, you know, medication safety reviews. I think this gives them the chance to really prove their value as healthcare providers, not just deliverer of pills. For sure. And that's hopefully something that they value and obviously something that a mail order pharmacy can't do. Can you do that without, I think there's a huge technology piece to it because you got to be able to, you know, one of the things we've been doing is the two-way texting and that's really taken off. Um, you know, customers, I imagine if I could text my doctor, I'd never leave that doctor because there's a piece of that that feels intimate and, um, and efficient, you know, feels like, you know, I'm getting the answers I want in an efficient way. Um, any others? I mean, I think the the big, you know, like texting for sure. And, you know, a lot of the stuff like we're working on where the the texting becomes a notification, becomes an app where you can kind of pop into the web flow and answer questions. Um, it gives you a, a convenient way to get information at a patient's own pace. You know, they don't have to do it right there. They can answer those questions when it's easy. They're at home. Um, and you can start building on that, right? You can ask Hey, I see that you're due for a flu vaccine when you come in on Tuesday to pick up your med sink. We can do that then. So it really starts to add convenience and value. Um, and all of those things are tied together. Yeah, there's also kind of like, you know, telehealth start to try to do that to a degree, right? Even not so much even just like your doctors on demands or whatever, right? All the services that they're personal, like at least in the first, like in your interaction. But after that, you've, you've, pretty much most of the time, unless they're building out other systems to do this, but you've lost that doctor after that for the most part. Um, but you're, you're starting to see a push now, even with primary care docs and, and especially in the fee for service world, right? That is fee for service. They're not making money unless there's interactions involved. So they're, they're even adopting video technology for that and building out systems in that place. So it's just a way to, you know, to, to see your feet for a diabetic, right? Or to, uh, you just get eyes on you. Um, and, and that's a way to another, again, extend that personal, uh, that touch or, or, or whatever your brand, your flavor of, of care you're, you're providing um, is, a, is, is another arm. I think that's going to be coming out um, pretty strong. So here's a fun one. If you're going to open a business today in the COVID world, what try to make it, what kind of business would you open? Let you go first. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Because <laughs> I, I want mine to be better than yours. <laughs> I mean, are we you you're talking about like a pharmacy-related no, business? No, no, if you're or, just going to open oh, just that anything. business. If you're, if you're looking at what, what kind of businesses are going to be successful, you know, one of the interesting things about chaos is it's a time for smart people to create innovations that help make money, you know? And if you were going to, if we're going to open a, a business in, in this type of climate, what would that business be like? It wouldn't be a storefront, that's for sure. Yeah. You, you look at like Sonic seems like, Geniuses. Geniuses at yeah. this point because they're, they're the ultimately so, you know, socially distanced ordering methods and uh, contactless. Right. And right. Well, I, you know, I, I think, you know, you're realizing that their software as a service 
and some of them are really good, a large portion of industries are really, really bad. Um, you know, like I'm having some construction done at my house right now because everybody's doing that right now, right? We're sitting at home on the patio wondering, man, I wish I had that. Um, so it's taken like three and a half, four weeks to install a pergola because the construction's so inefficient. You know, communication with the the company and the subcontractors and all these other things. The guys who get it right, like DoorDash, doing amazing because it's so easy. You get on, you tell them what you want. They give you quick updates. Hey, this guy picked it up here. It's coming on. You know, so if you can bring those traditionally paper industries like construction on board and to, to really streamline that process where they can't necessarily come out to your house and talk to you and spend all your time, um, that I would spend all of my time focusing on how do you get those guys in a world that's digital and, and repeatable. DoorDash, the the apps kind of started shaky, right? The, yeah. Would you agree? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I felt like their app kind of like the, I felt like the business models there, sure, but like I felt like their technology started out kind of shaky. But they got it right now, like for sure. Um, that's just a, a sidebar. But I, I'll I say this: I think home health is going to start to get a pretty big uptick, right? Like I think what people are witnessing, what's happening in, in skilled nursing facilities and things like that, close quarters, like. Do you want grandma or grandpa to be in kind of right now almost prison-like environments where you can't, you know, some of them are starting to relax some of that, but like you can't, um, you can't go visit them. They can't have visitors, right? All they they can even really interact with the people even in their own wings. Sometimes it just kind of depends on what's going on. But like I think a home health push is is probably something that's I think payers will endorse, um, and I think businesses that do it right will will figure out a way there and pharmacy there's a pharmacy component to that as well and, and delivering services and checkups and like that on, 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 on grandma and grandpa that way, I think are, are, are an opportunity there. And then the kind of like your contact, then kind of two threads, right. From a technology component, kind of like contactless stuff, right. Um, payments or, or whatever, or checkout processes and stuff. Um, I, I, I mean, Apple pay looks brilliant now, <laughs> yeah, you know, you walk up and strong. Yeah, I think there's a big opportunity for tele-experiences, yeah. whether that's telehealth or teleconsultant about my wardrobe or, you know, we have, trade shows aren't happening, right? So trade shows are gone. And we actually had a vendor who um, their offering was a virtual wine tasting. Sent you two bottles of wine in the, in the deal. You're going to do a Zoom with Robert Mondavi. He's going to take you through the wine and talk about it. It's a, it is a virtual like the Robert Mundo? Junior. Okay. So, okay. I was sorry. like, dang. <laughs> Junior. But that's, he's the one running it today. Right. right. Yeah, yeah. But That's cool. But, you know, it's a, a piece where, you know, the trying to get these these virtual experiences or tele-experiences without going to places. I, I think there's going to be a market for how you make that happen and how you, you know, I, there's a lot of me. Somebody's got to figure out the whole trade show thing because trade the thing's dead. You know, at least for a while. For a minute, yeah. You know, who's yep. going to walk in a trade show with a whole bunch of people? It's just not going to happen. And yeah, I was like thinking about Hems when we were there a couple of years ago. What, it was like 60,000 people. Yeah. Yeah. Who's going to approve that? Yeah. You know, who's going to say, oh, yeah, we're ready for 60,000 people oh, yeah. running what, around in a hall? Right. What convention or hotel wants to <laughs> even when? say yes yeah. to, to that? Yeah, it's going to be years. So, so figuring out how you can do that. And people are trying to do virtual trade shows and that. that how, how do you, where is that place where you can provide what vendors get and what customers want and that browsing experience with, you know, computers never been a good modus for browsing. 
um, I always go to write what I want. Well, in a trade show, you don't necessarily know what you want. You're kind of trying to see what you want. So it's weird. Um, I don't know if you've seen it, but there's an app now and it's what it's called house party, I think. So you can like join and pick, people can enter your room or you can lock the room or whatever. So it's kind of like this weird community place where you can come in and video chat and or play games. Um, we did that a couple of weeks ago with a friend and it, it wasn't a bad experience. It would be a little bit weirder if a stranger just popped in and started talking to you, but you you could see something like that for trade shows as being kind of cool where you kind of have your map and you pop through. Um, but you know, you're right. I think places where you have a virtual community that is not necessarily guided to, you know, I go to Amazon, I type something, I find it. There's millions of things I've never seen on Amazon and without some kind of guided experience, you, there's no way you find them. Trying to, trying to like understand like what it would be like to man the virtual booth <laughs> carousel of people like joining and popping in and what well, kind of what, what is what's going with the ro robotics robotics or whatever oh uh roblox Ro Ro what right? if you just see people come by what if uh, it was that virtual right, right? oh yeah, yeah. What like if you're everybody's like, an avatar yeah, yeah, like everybody's thing? an avatar you actually wonder actually fit, you're wandering by the booth and right. you can say hello <laughs> right right it's just, it's just odd or yeah. if you're going you can pop up and jump on i mean right yeah i know like <laughs> like this 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 exhibitor is jumping on me but, <laughs> like, i don't understand how it. could you make that fun yeah. you know and the browsing you know computers never gotten the whole browse you know they get the hey people who do this might be interested in this but the the whole concept of this virtual browsing of a thing has never been mastered on the computer and um you know we build these beautiful games and and things like that so it's interesting to see how that would go and, and where that goes thank you for listening to the catalyst podcast if you enjoyed this episode, please make sure you subscribe and give a five-star rating on iTunes or Google Podcasts to help us reach more amazing pharmacy people like you. To keep up with the latest independent pharmacy news and content, follow PioneerRx on your preferred social media platforms.